And I just want to just mention points like Burma covered like one, you know. I very briefly, I didn't go to the whole thing, but very briefly, um, I've mentioned that the two very important yacht sites that Kleinsville observes. One is Rochali Menu. Thousands of people go to Kever on the Yulav Cheshvan. And like Boima, hundreds of thousands of people are, are now in uh, actually all there, you know. Uh, so the question is why these two? And I had mentioned that uh, what's very interesting is that uh, uh, Yulav Cheshvan was really a day uh, that the Orishan was supposed to come down. That's what I had said. Yulav Cheshvan. And uh, the marble, the marble was really the physical analog. And the Jews should have been brought a tikkun to the Bria. There were ten generations, and they should have been sucked in the Bria in ten generations, because they're ten spheres. And it was supposed to come down on Yudal uh, Cheshvan, and instead it came down as marble water, destroyed the world. And the, it was the water, the marble, was really the physical analog of the Orishan, which should have come down on Yudalov, except it was delayed seven days later because Mr. Shalak died. But the real day is Yudalov Cheshvan, and therefore that's why, and Rochli Menu, of course, has to do with that, because that Orishan is really the Chedek of Mashiach ben Yosef. And Rochli Menu, of course, is the mother of Mashiach ben Yosef. And so, um, without getting into the whole thing, so she died on that day, to indicate, uh, you know, as part of the concept that this is ultimately what has to be on Yudal Cheshvan. Uh, there is a Machloikis in the Gemara if Rosh Hashanah is uh, Tishrei or Nisan, right? And it says that the marble was in the second month, the 18th day of the second month, or the 17th day of the second month. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, who holds that the world was created out of Tishrei, it's Yudal of Cheshvan. According to Rabbi Yeshua, who holds that the Bria Sa'ilam, the creation of the world, was really out of Nisan, because it was that's the real Rosh Hashanah. So therefore, this, the 17th or the 18th day of the second month would be today, like Boima. And that would have been the day of the Orishim. So Rabbi Shimon died on that day to indicate that he brought down that concept, that's the Zoya, the Kabbalah. So really, tonight is really uh, a symbol in many ways of the, uh, the Orishim which is uh, basically Kabbalah, uh, the hidden ideas of what the Torah is all about. <clears throat> and therefore, he, um, he died on that day, and that's what Hoyt Shibohoyt is, blood boimah. That's a very short idea. You know. So therefore, Lag Boim is very, very, very choshev because of that. Uh, he died on that day to indicate that that's what he brought a deacon to, is that idea. <clears throat> in any case... <clears throat> um, besides, of course, Rebbe Akiva's Tamidim stopped dying, and that's really another reason for Lag Bohima, you know, because uh, that's when they stopped dying and so on. Any case, um, okay. <clears throat> What does Rebbe Akiva have to do with Kabbalah and Orishim? Besides the fact that Rebbe Shimon was a Talmud from Rebbe Akiva, you know, they all took from Rebbe Akiva. Can you imagine what Rebbe Akiva knew 
if all his Talmidim, Yerub Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, Nechemia, Rabbi Yosef Chalafta, and so on, Rabbi Zman Shemua, if they all took part of Rabbi Akiva's knowledge, could you imagine Rabbi Akiva knew? Awesome. In any case, but uh, I could connect the death of Rabbi Akiva's Talmidim also to the Orbishan, the Messianic light. How? Because Rabbi Akiva's Talmidim died because of what? says, They were not really covered to each other. You know what I'm saying? So the Mahashor and the Chovetz Chaim say that what they really were guilty of was Lashon Hara. Because once you're not really covered from one person to another, you speak Lashon Hara. So they died because they spoke Lashon Hara and whatever, the whole thing. And the problem is, is that Lashon Hara stops the Mashiach from coming. So when they died, Zero was over, so therefore Mashiach did not come. It was their chet of Lashon Hara, which would prevent Mashiach from coming, now stopped. And therefore, like Boimah, which when the death stopped, now the Mashiach come again in that sense. So you can connect that also to like Boimah. You know, so both events, the death of the Talmudim Rabbi Akiva and the death of Rabbi Shimba Yechoi, both somehow are connected to the Messianic light, the Orishim, or Gonus, or Mashiach. Anyway, so we can connect them both. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. You want to say something? No, I'm sure. I'm just because of Lashon Hara. What do you see a Chiyam Nisa on that? That what? Just because of the Avey of Lashon Hara. What do you see as a Chiyam Nisa? Why did they die? Why would they die? Avey is a Chiyam Nisa? No. That's an excellent question. You want me to answer it? <laughs> there could be several answers. We know that. I will illustrate, if you want, I, I just illustrate the, the, the answer, what it would be, you know. Imagine there's a xero on the, uh, on the uh, Tamidim Rebbe Kiva, right? Hey, they're all talking about Shanhara, you know. Ah, so... Uh, there's a defending attorney, it's called a Senegar, and there's a Kateger, prosecuting attorney in Shemayim. There's an incredible Dintera going on. I mean, you know, you don't wipe out 24,000 people without a Dintera. You know what I'm saying? There's an incredible Dintera, right? So let's take a time machine and go back, okay? Almost 2,000 years. And then let's go up to Shemayim. Let's, let's, you know, in the courtroom, there's always a, the, where the people can sit. Let's hear their tanas. Okay? So the taina of the Senegar, which is the defending attorney, he says, wait a minute, you can't do this. You know why? Who the Talmudim Rabbi Akiva? They're Tanoim. Yes? Rabbi Akiva is a Tano. And therefore all his Talmudim were also Tanoim, because it was the generation of Tanoim. So he says, imagine if you want to kill 24,000 Tanoim. Now imagine if they had lived. Do you know how much more terror we would have had? That, that's the real incredible time. Imagine 24,000 Tanoim being Mechadish Torah, right? You take a look at a bookstore today, you know, like, uh, you know, it's got a what, you know? What? It would be massive. The amount of Torah that would have been in Kaisal would have been absolutely massive had they lived. So the, the, the Senegal, the defense attorney says, if you kill them, you will destroy all that Torah that they would have Mechadish. And it won't become... It won't be given to Kalei until Mashiach comes. How can you do that? 
Because Torah is the most important thing to the Banishla. You hear one idea? What a taina. The second thing he taina's is, wait a minute, there's two dinam here. There are two types of gedolim. There's a transmission godlum. There's a regular godlum, right? And he's a tremendous bucky and, and so on. And then there's a second kind of godlum called a transmission godlum. What's a transmission godlum? A transmission godlum is the one who transmits Torah from one generation to the next. Without him, it'll just evaporate. What's a classic example? Rabbi Kotla, right? If he didn't bring the Torah of Litta from Europe to America, where would, it, where would we have it today? He is responsible for not only Lakewood, but for all the satellites of Lakewood, you know. And he, and, you know, he, in other words, he brought the, the Torah's Litta, as they say. You know, the Rabchaims, them all the Derech of of the yeshivas of Lithuania, Latvia, and so on, you know, Poland, whatever. Because of him, he survived the war and he opened up yeshivas. He is a transmission god. So they said, you kill 24,000 Tamidim Rabbi Akiva, what's going to be with the Torah? Who's the transmission of this? It's them. So you'd be jeopardizing, not only would you be destroying all the Torah, you'd be jeopardizing the transmission. Wow, and this is, I mean, this is, this is what's called heavy stuff. And then the third thing he said, you know what he said? He said, imagine a guy makes $500 million. He, he has $500 million. And some guy comes over to him and says, you know, there's this African nation, right? And they want to open up a whole area of development, you know, uh, and so on. You know, and you can come in and you could double your money in a year. So the guy says, wow, you know. So what does he do? He takes $499 million and he dumps it to that investment to develop the real estate. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? And of course, African nations, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. <laughs> so they want this $499 million. What would happen to that guy? I'll tell you. Right? There's only two things that happen to the guy. Either he'd be taking a massive dose of Prozac because his depression would make clinical history. Right? Or he'd jump off the roof. It's one or the other. Right? Because how can a person be civil the loss of $499 million? It's beyond belief. Right? He would, say he would be a destroyed person. So the Malach says, look at Rebbe Akiva. I mean, he's an incredible person, but if you destroy his life's work, come on, a yeshiva, probably the greatest yeshiva ever known, 24,000 students, and you kill them all in five weeks, you will destroy Rebbe Akiva. And that's the end of Torah. That's what the Malach said. Three incredible titles. The destruction of massive amounts of Torah. The destruction or the jeopardization of a transmission godl. You know, and you can destroy Riyakiva. You can't do it. And then, of course, that's the defense attorney. It's always the Malach, right? So the business says, okay, you had your say. Come on over Sutton. Because the Sutton is the cathedral. He's the kid. He's the prosecuting attorney. It's called the heavenly DA. Right? And they say, okay, what do you have to serve? He says, oh yeah? Let me break. I'll ask you something. And he turns to the Senegal and says, you know, you said that these guys are all Tanoim. <coughs> What's going to happen to the old term to, to, to Tanoim, you know? She says, if that's the case, right, do you realize that these Tanoim, right, these Tanoim, uh, all these to know him, that they are being mavazat tamid chachamim. We're not talking about average guys. These are tanoim. One tano 
is talking Lashon Hara about another Tana. You know, we're not talking about one Tana, is talking about Yankel and Beryl down the road, which is bad enough. We're talking about one Tana talking Tanoi. means Tanoim are talking Lashon Hara about themselves. Gewalt. What is this? So Because Lashon Hara is measured by what you say and against whom you say it. You see. So a Tana talking Lashon Hara about another Tana. Look at Yisra Tzadik. What is Lashon Hara did? That he had to go to Egypt because of that and so on, right? Come on, and so on. So that knocked out that argument, right? He said, let me show you, tell you something. Not only that, not as Tanoim talking against Tanoim, but these are Tamid Chachomim there, if they don't understand what a bizoint Mavazat Tamad Chochem, and by the way, Mavazat Tamad Chochem is a terrible English. It's not just Lush and Horror. You know, when you Mavazat Tamad Chochem, it's terrible, you know. And um, so if they don't know what Lush and Horror or Bizoin Atur is, who does? And then he hit him with his third argument that killed it all. He said, You know, right, you're right. These people are Machadish Torah and their transmission to Doilam, you're right. What is a transmission problem? He is a person who takes Torah and he transmits it to the next generation. How? Because it's not only what he says, it's that he's a model. They look at him. He represents Torah. So the Malach, so the Sultan turned to them and says, you want everybody to learn that it's okay, because they're going to be models, the next generation, that it's okay for one common Chochem to talk against Lashonara, or that it's permitted to talk Lashonara? Is this what you want? And the business says, you're right. They're gone. That's a whole different understanding, right? We're not dealing with regular people. We're dealing with transmission people. Tanoim, you know? And they're the ones who are going to serve as a model for the rest of the generation. If this is what they do, then everybody's going to say, it's, it's okay to talk to Lashonara, even against another Tam Tchokham, even a Tana. Who cares? Is this what you want? So what the Bershom did is incredible that it's better to wipe out 24,000 Tanoim, even though, number one, which itself is an unbelievable tragedy. The second tragedy is how much terror is lost because they're wiped out. And terror is the most dearest thing to the Bershom. So that's gone, right? He would rather have that than the Jews should learn that it's permitted to speak Lashon Hara. Look, the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. The Chavetz Chaim says it was really Lashon Hara. He destroyed his Beis HaMikdash. We see he destroyed the Torah also. That's the greatest tragedy of all. That's why. Does that answer your question? Good. We can move on. See the difference? It's not just Lashon Hara. It's who they are and what they represent and what incredible damage they could have done to Klai's world. And that is a different story, you know. Anyway. Okay. <clears throat> so last week, yeah, we talked about that obviously the purpose of creation is man. And his purpose is dvekus. And I mentioned dvekus really means existence. That's the essence. Because I mentioned that, you know, the essence of what's the greatest of all gifts that the Bershom gave anybody, and the answer is to be existence. Okay? And Tvekas puts you in contact with the source of existence itself. Oh. So therefore the concept of Shlemus and Chesrenus is that. 
And what the Bonsham did is he put it in the wherewithal, Nikmas Ashlemus. It is possible for a man to acquire Shlemus. Okay? So in the end, if somebody asks you, what is the Tafkir of the Bria? What is the purpose of creation? You will have two answers. If you really want to summarize it or encapsulate it in exact terms, you know, the purpose of the Bria, well, the ultimate purpose is a person should, I, I once said, well, you know, in three words, you know, um, infinite bliss eternally. That's it. That's three words. Infinite bliss eternally. That's the meaning of creation. That's the whole objective of creation. Okay? Infinite bliss means obviously infinite. There's no amount. Eternally means there's no end. So there's no amount and there's no end to this. You can't have it better than that, right? So that's the ultimate reason. But how is that achieved? And the answer is Shlemus. When a person becomes a sholem, that has a lot of very important ideas, and so on. But the concept of shlemus really is is uh, is, is brought about through Vegas. But the concept of shlemus is a type of existence where a person achieves that that we have no son about, and that's what a person has to do to get the shlemus. Now, the Ramchal says. That a person in order to do that, right? I, I want you, or I had mentioned that a major ikov to shlemus is what? Is a thing called namadik sufa, bread of shame. It's a major impediment, which means that if somebody gives something to you and you did nothing to get it, there's a tremendous sense of um, unworthiness and so on. And I, I began to share once on that. You know, the whole concept, the problem of Namak Sufa, and so on, uh, is that uh, because of, since a person is a chilev l'kaimimal, there's something divine about every individual. Okay. And if a person gets something, if he's always a makabel, this is an incredible exposure to himself that he is not chilev l'kaimimal. He's not divine. There's a tremendous <coughs> amount of it's a, a embarrassment or um, um, which is what Namitsuf is. There's a tremendous sense of vulnerability. Because Khilipakanima means what? The essential idea of God is that he's an independent being. He doesn't rely on anything else. You know what I'm saying? He is independent of all things. Is independent, um, um, and therefore, therefore, a person has to be able to become eligible for ilm habo because of his own merits. That's the, the essential idea. So, therefore, even though what he is getting in ilm habo is not him, the bonshim is giving him that feeling. But the concept is that everything he's getting is only because he caused it. It's the ultimate concept of cause. And since he caused it, then he knows that whatever he's getting is ultimately 
because of him. Even though what he is getting is not, he's not getting existence or dvekas or whatever, but he is getting it only because he caused it, and apparently that is sufficient to remove the sense that he is vulnerable, and therefore he doesn't, uh, it will remove the concept of namdik sufa. But in order to do that, he has to be a true cause. The only thing that will make him a true cause is if he has free will. Free will is a very interesting attribute of a human. You know, what does it mean to be have a free will? Well, what, what does it mean to have non-free will? What does a non-free will mean? What is the will? Nobody knows what the will is. Nobody knows where it is. You know. But if you think about it, what the will is, it's some type of a faculty of the brain where, let's say, a person sees food, right? And all of a sudden, he decides, I want to eat that food. The question is, the decision to eat is the will. In other words, the will is that faculty where a person makes a decision. And then what he does, which nobody knows how it works, when a person says, I want, all of a sudden, he fires up the neurons in his brain, moves the motor muscles, and he can go and get it, you know? But Pashtas, the decision to do something, what is it, really? It's like, what is it? You know, nobody knows what it is or where it is in the mind, you know? But the interesting thing is that every action that a person does must be preceded by the will. You know, if I go like that, you see, I lift my hand, every nanosecond there's a will to lift the hand. So there's a continuous firing of the neurons, and therefore they move the muscles, and therefore I can lift my hand. You know, but how do I do it? I don't know. You know, how do I, how do, I do that? You know, there's no will that I'm aware of. I don't even know how, even if I want to lift it, so what? So how do I lift that? Nobody knows. Yet I can go like that. You see? That's the will. So the will of a person is really where he makes his decisions. So if it's compelled, you know, the emotion could compel your will. It means he could put a thought in your mind from him and force you to operate. But if it's free, it means that the Bansham doesn't compel you. The will is not placed there by the Bansham. You, or the will, or your desire, what you want to do, arises from within self. So that's free will. So in order for a person to be a true cause, you need to have a free will. Because we can say that the desire to do something and the decision... Actually, the decision is where the will is. The desire is, the person has a desire. But the decision is the essential idea. Yeah. I was just thinking, is it possible to have an absolute free will? Or is our free will within a subset and context of conditioning, environment, and things we've already obtained through osmosis and acculturation? I mean, how free... That's, a very, that, that's a very good question. And that's, that, that question is debated I mean, by psychologists, philosophers, and so on. There are those people who are called, what's called determinism, you know, who hold that you have no free will whatsoever. You are a slave 
completely to what's called different conditioning and different experiences and so on. You know, you have no free will. You know, you just react, basically, you know. And there, there's religions that hold that. There's an aspect of Catholicism. Um, what's the guy's name again? The Swiss guy. He holds that there's no such thing as free will. You know, uh, Simple to tag on to that. I always have a hard time reconciling free will the hero with Hashkaka practice. Because people would say, well, if you chose to do go to take the road on the left, that was supposed to happen. You know. No, so, no, no. Uh, the first thing you have to know is that we don't have complete free will. We don't. There is a range of free will. There are certain things that we have no free will. Okay, what is that? If the Russian wants to lead you in a certain direction, so he will put in your mind to do something, you know, and then something will happen to you. So you, the, our problem is we cannot distinguish between free will and compelled will. We can't, we, we don't know, you know, but there's many aspects of what the Russian does where you don't have free will. Free reward or punishment, you know what I'm saying? Or, for instance, if the Russian wants you to have an Isoyan, and you need to go somewhere else to have the Nisayan, right? The test, you don't have free will. You need to be faced with that Nisayan. So, reward, punishment, Nisayanus, these are not within our purview, within our uh, free will. However, once you get into that, let's say, Nisayan, then you decide what you want to do. Then you decide. That's free. However, it's not as simple as it sounds. Because free will can be overcome by, by drives, needs and drives. You see that there's a Gemara in Brochus, another place also where Gemara says that, you know, give a guy money, dress him up, right? Gemara says that, you know, and put him by a house of prostitution. He's finished. He's got the money, looks good, he's right next to the inside. What's he going to do? Ah, he has free will. Yeah, but the probability is that he's not going to exercise. Sure, he has free will. He has free will to go into that place. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it is possible for the drive and the urge to overcome a person. Look, the classic case is by uh, Yehuda. Yehuda and Toma. You know? Did he have free will when he went and, and, and he was together with Toma? You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not talking about after he knew, you know, I'm talking about when she presented herself as a Zoina, right? It's the title, right? Did he have free will? No. He didn't have free will. In fact, where do we learn that? The Medrash knows that. Because when he found out, when she said, well, the father of this guy, or, or you know, whatever, and so on, right? Is to whoever owes the signet, the M, the, the staff, the signet, you know, and all of a sudden Yehuda takes a look and says, uh, this is my stuff, you know? So he said something, many. she is more righteous than I. That's what he said, you know, because she wanted to do it because her son died and her son was, of course, her husband was the son of Yehuda and she wanted, uh, it's, it's like a Yibum before the midst of Yibum and so on, whatever. But the Medrash says, he should have said, Sotka, she's right. What's this many? So the Medrash says, the Rebbe says to the Malach, so he says to the Malach, Hey, come on, get him going. Why? Because if he's not going and he doesn't live with Tomah, where's the Mashiach going to come out of? 
And so the Medrash says that the Moshe commanded the Malach of Taiva, whoever that is, right? Uh, right? You need to turn up the heat, and he's finished. So, ah, he had free will. What free will? You know, uh, you know he, the, the, the Malach did what he had to do. It means he turned on his libido to an extent where he just said, couldn't say no. I mean, a human is for the human. You know what I'm saying? So, but, so therefore, mimeni means from me. That's the Rebunish of talking. Not Yehuda. Ah, interesting. That's what the Medrash says. It's Medrash, you know, that Yehuda had no bechira with the mice of him and Tomah. Because the Bunch wanted the Mashiach to come through an act of Zimo. Or at least it looks like Zimo. It's called the apparent, the appearance of Zimo. That's how, what he wanted. He did that many times. By Lot's daughters, by Dovra Melech, by, and so on and so forth, by Yishai, whatever. The Russian wants the Mashiach to come from the Shama through the appearance of Tumah or Zima, because that's the only way he can hide it from the Sabbath. There always has to be the, the Nishmas Mashiach cannot be born in a normal way. He has to be born in a way that is highly suspect of irregularities or immorality. That's the way he hides it from the Mashiach and so on. In fact, even Mashabain, Mashabain was born at a time they were killing Jews, you know, by the Yam, by the um, Parai. Why? Because the Sutton is being, is being busy in the country on Israel, right? And Moshe Rabbeinu just slips right in. Always does that. Mashiach is Yudua. In fact, there's a famous postic on that. Who can give out Tahara from Tumor? That refers to the Mashiach. You know, also refers to the Paraduma, whatever, and so on. But what the Barashim does is through the process of Tumor, Tahara can come out. It's astounding, right? And that's the concept of the Nisham of the Mashiach coming out, and so on. So Yehuda had no Bechira, to Medrash, Mimeni. In other words, he only said, Tzadka, she is right. Mimeni was the Basko saying, Mimeni is from me, not from him. That's what the Medrash says. Incredible Medrash, you know? So what do we see? That Yehuda obviously has Bechira, but not, not now. There's a concept called the range of Bechira. We do not always have a hero. So when it comes from what the Ratzon Haberi is, you know what I'm saying? You have no Bechira. Too bad. That's it. If God wants to reward you, you know, so you'll buy a certain stock and it shoots up, hey, that's it. You have no Bechira. You think you have Bechira, but you don't. If you want to punish a person, you know, Chas Vashom, a guy goes out in the street and gets hit by a car. He had no Bechira because it was Nigzah. Uh, all, all this source is basically Nitzah and so on. Or by any Nisoyen. You know? So sometimes yeah, when, when we took a wrong decision and, and, uh, and we see later on that the, uh, the results are, are, not, are, not, are not good, instead of blaming ourselves the wrong decision, we could blame it on... Blame it on God. It's a kapara. Right? It's a kapara, exactly. That's what it is. So how could so a person know if, if, if it came to his first You can't know. You don't know. We cannot distinguish. Is that, is that, is that authoritative? You can never know if, if it's a person's bad decision? That's an amazing no. thought. Yeah, it is amazing. So we're doing al-chait on Yom Kippur, we, we may be... Uh, we may be just feeling guilty for nothing. <laughs> that is a very interesting concept. Imagine all those young kippers no, wasted. 
Well, I'm sure there's a lot of things that, that are good did. for, but... but. But you, but you have to admit that there's something to do wrong. Just for one yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so the Barsham, listen. Just for one Averia, all Yeah, it could be. Yeah, because they're all kind. Yeah, could be. So you have to say like this, you know. So we don't know, but so we do our chet and so on and so forth, right? And um, what he called. But, he, but here's also, let me just qualify what you said. It's true that for the actual event itself, maybe you had no Bechira, right? But why was this Xera that you'd had to go to that event? It's clearly based on some previous sin, usually. So for that you have to do, you know what I'm saying? You know? But basically, you're not doing a, you know, what, what are you doing Chet for? You're doing Chet for Averis. You know, usually the Bosham does not force you to do an Avera, you know? Usually, you know, the Bosham doesn't force you you know, it can happen like Yehuda, and I'm sure it happens, you know what I'm saying? But usually what a person does is, let's say a guy says, nah, I'm going to Las Vegas, and I'm going to stay at the Bellagio. I, I'm not going to gamble, come on, it's me, you know? That guy goes, right, and then, well, who asks yourself to put it? So, you know, so it's true, once he went into the Bellagio, uh, that's one of the famous hotels there, for those that don't know. And uh, there's all kinds. Uh, and and uh, all of a sudden, he's walking by to go to his room, and he sees the... And of course, the first floor is the gaming place. Yeah, he got four million gaming, you know. Of course, he had no Bechira, because he was overcome by the, the uh, Nisoyen. That's the end of it. But he had originally Bechira, who told you go to Las Vegas. You see? So, it's, it's, it's complex. It's not simple. We are... Uh, uh, Many people put themselves in a situation where they, in a situation they may not have no Bechira, but the told you to do that in the first place. You see what I'm saying? And so on, you know, so it's a complex thing. But there's clearly many Averis that we do have responsibility for. And there will maybe some that we don't. And so on. You know, so, but... So the, the news is you still have to observe Yom Kippur. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, no way out of it. Do animals have Bechira? The spider decides to put a web where two animals injured the same way, one struggles harder to flee the hunter and the other just gives up. Is that a conscious Bahira decision? Animals have no Bahira. Nothing. The Ramchal talks later on about it. It's called, there's two. He talks that there's, <clears throat> there's what's called Isarus Delielo and Isarus Deltata. That's what he talks about later. Isarus means an awakening. Delielo, from on high. Okay, in other words, Shemayim calls the shots first, comes down, that's animals. No Bechira. I mean, Shemayim is Geza, okay, this tiger has to do this, and so on and so forth, and there's no Bechira in there, and so on and so forth. So, the decree comes from above. But people who have Bechira is Isarus Delatata. means we decide what we want to do, and then Shemayim waits, and then you have the concept of Din, justice based on what we do. So those people who have Bechira have what's called Isarus Delatata. The awakening comes from below, which means here. We exercise our Bechira, and then Shemayim reacts. Whereas by animals, it's reverse. Animals have no Bechira. It looks like they may have, but they don't. It's purely, they're, they're purely, it's like robots in that sense, you know. Bechira starts in infancy? Or Who? Bechira starts at infancy? No, no. You don't have Bechira really until you're, uh, 
to your, well, yeah, 13 years old for a girl, it's 12, yeah. But that's why there's no English, really, you know. Uh, so why isn't the English still 20 in Shemayim? What was that? Why isn't the English in Shemayim still 20? Probably, probably, because Bechira, in order to have real Bechira, right, you have to have a chance. First of all, you have to have, one, the capacity for free will. That's number one. Number two, you have to have the probability, like this Mayasa Bimelo Yechte, you know, this guy is sitting at this house, right? He's got everything he needs, he's finished, you know? So he has the capacity for free will, but he doesn't have the actuality because he's finished. His taiva is going to make him sin. You know what I'm saying? The third thing you have to have, you have to have knowledge. You have to know, you have to attend Shinishba. He has the capacity, but he doesn't know. What does he know? He, has, he doesn't have the information to have Bechira. You see what I'm saying? So you have to, you have, to have knowledge, idea. You know what I'm saying? So the problem is somebody's 13 years old, what does he know? You know what I'm saying? And you also have to have a Yetzatayv. Right? You have a Yetzatayv, you're finished. And so on. And you don't really get a Yetzatayv until you're 13 or 12. And I once talked about what the Yetzir Toiv is, right? What is the Yetzir Remember? Once talked about that? You guys remember? Yeah. I once talked about it? Yeah. Okay. You were all looking at me, huh? <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> you must have heard you at home or something. <laughs> Should I mention what the Yetzir Toiv is? <laughs> yeah, I once gave all shit on the Yetzir Toiv. Uh, so there are many, what's called, many ingredients to have Bechira. It's not just the capacity to be free, you know what I'm saying? You have the probability of being free that you, your type won't overwhelm you, you know? And then you have to acknowledge the information and so on. And you also have to have the maturity, you know what I'm saying? And you don't get maturity until you're 13. And I once told you what maturity is. Maturity is. You know what maturity is? Not having fun is maturity? Wow. There are a lot of people that are having fun. And would we say that they're not mature? In fact, most of the human race is not mature, if that was the case. You know, because they're all having fun. And based on what you're saying, they're not Plus mature. Americans. What? It's Americans. It's Americans, yeah. No. What is maturity? What? You have a choice to do something, you pick the right choice. No. That's, not, that's a result of maturity. Hopefully. What is maturity? It's a word that's bandied about all the time. Does anybody know what maturity means? Self-control? Well, it's part of it. What does it mean to be mature? To realize the significance of your actions. That's called judgment. Yes, that's certainly part of it. Being able to put aside one pleasure for a bigger pleasure? Yeah. That's called, uh, yeah, denial, uh, <laughs> gratification denial, <laughs> you know, that's true, it's part of it. You're not hitting the nekuda. These are all parts of maturity, and they, these are expressions of maturity. But what is maturity? Bechira, maybe. No, no, it's not a din bechira. Why are we mature? Why? 
the real question, the 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 the, the, uh, the thing you have to think about that will lead to the answer is, what's the difference between a child and an adult? We would assume that an adult is mature. Child is ego. ego. We would assume a child is immature. Child is ego. What's the difference? Who? He's selfish, evil. An adult goes beyond his focus and he's altruistic more. So what? Maturity is more altruistic. The child what? Al- altruistic. Altruistic. The child is ego. He's selfish and he's all for himself. I know a lot of people that are very egoistic. They're still children in this respect. They're immature. They're immature. Not really. That's a meter of altruism. What does maturity really mean? What's the difference between a child and an adult? That's the question. Responsibility reaction. Closer. Do you know the difference between right and wrong? The child is enon milvadi, and the adult is enon milvadi. What's called right? What is right? What society accepts as right and wrong. Is it? Is that what right and wrong is? What society says? Norms. Who? Norms. What, what, what about norms? Uh, on the way, on the way, but let me see if I can say it in a really crystal clear understanding. The classic difference between a child and an adult is not intelligence. There are some kids that are brilliant, you know. There are kids that can look, just take a look at a kid and his parent. <coughs> Kid takes his parent and just bombs around the finger. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> so it's not that. What it is is something else, which is very interesting. And that's really what the Eitzatoy is. What is it? A kid can suspend reality and play. You know, let's play. You know, a kid doesn't need to conform to reality. It just dispenses with it and says, "Hey, you know, let's play this. Let's make make believe." You know. Make believe is a big thing. You go to Disney World; it's all make believe, you know. And so, although a lot of people, a lot of adults, also, and so you know, but a, a, a child has the ability, uh, and that's part of his developmental stage, that he can suspend reality, play, make believe, and so on. Okay, but all of a sudden, when he hits thirteen, something snaps, more or less, at that time. And what snaps? Is wait a minute, I want to conform to reality. All of a sudden, what is out there becomes important to him. And therefore, I want to conform my behavior to what's out there. That's called maturity. He's mature. He knows what's out there and he wants to conform to it. It's no longer let's make believe or who cares. And that's part of the concept of responsibility. All of a sudden he accepts responsibility. Why? Because that's part of reality. Because there are consequences if you don't accept responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Now, what is real and what is not real, well, we learned that. Norms are part of reality. Social ideas are part of reality, right? The Jewish world is part of reality. There's a lot of things out there that... But that all depends on the person's interpretation of reality, right? Which is subjective. What your reality is may be different than my reality. But whatever it is, there's something that goes on. Whatever the reality is, I want to conform to it. I want to get rid of this make-believe nonsense. You see, that's called maturity. When you say you're acting like a kid, what are you really saying? You're not acting on, you're not doing what's either appropriate, you know, and so on. Or it's not reality-based. It doesn't make sense. That's what maturity is. And that comes when, basically, you begin teenage puberty and so on, you know. And, the, and the, we know that the Yetzirah begins when you're bar, bar Mitzvah. 
So the question is, what begins when you're bar mitzvah? And the answer is maturity. And what is that? It is the desire to conform your life and your behavior, more or less, <clears throat> with reality. And therefore you accept responsibility. That's why teenagers have a lot of problems. Because all of a sudden they're developmentally growing. They don't know who they are. They have a crisis in identity. Who am I? Physically he's changing. And all of a sudden he's becoming aware of girls, and social life, and how to accept with your peers. You know, all of a sudden these things have tremendous meaning to him. You see? And they, but they don't, they're not clear about, they have major conflicts. One of them is identity. Who am I? You know, another one is independent, independence. They want to break away from their parents because they realize that they have to make it on their own. It's a lot of a tremendous teenagers a very difficult time, adolescence, because it, there's a, what it calls a metamorphosis from childhood to adulthood. And, the, and it's like the butterfly in the cocoon. And that adolescence is the cocoon stage. Very confusing, and so on. But ultimately, we hope that when they do get older, they will become mature, which means that they will handle reality, conform to it, and therefore they will handle whatever responsibilities reality says, that's your job. That's what the age of Tavis. You see. And um, that's also, you need that for Bechira. If you don't have that, you can't be Bechira. If, you, if, you, if you're okay with make-believe and all that stuff, what do you mean Bechira? You know what I'm saying? That's why you don't really have Bechira. You you're not Nenash. You may have the capacity for Bechira, but you don't have all the ingredients for Bechira. Because Bechira requires, like I said, a whole set of ingredients before you can actually be Bechira and therefore be held responsible for your Bechira. You see? And by 20 years old, you don't really have the maturity yet. You're first developing it as, as, a, as an adult, uh, adolescent. You know what I'm saying? A 13 year old kid is very mature. You know, just because he comes 13 years old, now what? You see what I'm saying? So the Torah recognizes that. You know, but, but the main thing is that you've left childhood and you are now entering adulthood. But it takes time. You see. So therefore, you're not really high until you're 20. Even though the metamorphosis started when you're 13 or 12, in the case of a girl. Everybody got that? Everybody agree? Okay. It's a pleasure to see Jews agree on something. Um, which, so, is, which is conformed to reality. Which conforms to reality. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's a very important idea, that there's a range of Bechira. It's not automatic. You know, where you don't have Bechira on everything. You know, the Bunch can shut it down, which he does many times, and so on. But within the range of Bechir that you have, you are responsible. You are judged based on your free will. Which means that the Bunshim does not put the thought or the decision in your mind. You make the decision. And I once pointed out, in reality, it's, uh, it, it's an impossible thing to understand how we can have Bechir. The truth is, it makes absolutely no sense how we can have Bechira. It's something which is impossible, really. I don't have a solution to this. I can tell you the problem. I mean, obviously we have Bechira, how do we know? Because the terrorists said, right? 
The Torah says, mm-hmm. Behold, I give before you a chaim v'amobes. The Barashim says that. So if he says that, clearly we have a chira. But how he does it is impossible to understand. Why? Remember one said, and it's not because of the future. Remember said, well, if you have, he knows what you're going to do. So obviously you have to conform to what he knows. So therefore, what bechira do you have? That you can answer. Because there is no future to God. There's no such thing as time. So Barashim doesn't know what you're going to do. There's no past, present, or future to him. He exists out of time, so there's no problem with that. But the real problem is something else. Nothing can exist unless the Bosham gives it existence. We know that. So how in the world can you have a decision without him giving it existence first? How? If he is the source of existence and nothing can exist without him saying, Be! How can you come up with an independent thought without him saying it be? So once he says be, he gave you the decision. You know, once he says be, the decision, you have it. You understand what I'm saying? But if he doesn't say be because you have Bechira, so how could you have something that he didn't make exist? He gave you Bechira. That's good what he's doing. He, he specifically gave you the free choice. That's Again. his will to give you free choice. I'm not disputing his will, but how does he do it? How can he allow... How in the world can... He gave you free choice. No, you're not understanding the problem. The problem is, how can you create something ex nihilo? That's the problem. You cannot create a decision without him saying, before you create it, be. Where do you get it from? If he didn't make it be... He gave you a brain. He already created it. That's not the question what he gave you. The question is, how did he do it? That's the question. How does he pull it off? It's impossible, based on the fact that the Bershom is Mahava everything, that he gives existence everything. What does Bechira mean? What does it mean? Remember what I said? the ability to choose. Which means what? That the choice that you make is yours. Correct. Not his. Correct. But then where did you get it from? What gave it existence? You can't create something out of nowhere. Only he can do that. So which not out of nowhere. He gave you a head to think. He gave you the shama. No, 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 no. It's not a head. Not... He gave you the shama. He gave you life. You know, no, no. No. That's the problem with you. Since he is the source of all existence, you would need him to create the decision that you would have. But how? Then it's not clear because you have the decision. Because any way you look at it, he needs to do it before you get it. You're trying already. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and I, I, I've never seen anybody deal with this. I've never seen anybody deal with this fundamental problem of free will. That it's really something that really cannot exist. But it does because the Bonisham says it, Bacham Bacham. You can't argue with this. That's all. If we all had a musical instrument like a piano. If you all had what? A musical instrument like a piano in front of us. Instead, hit five random notes. We might all hit different combinations. None of that would be. What? No, you're blocking the number. No, no, Keys on the piano in front of us. Yeah. You said to everyone here, hit five different notes. 
it would probably be all different. Is any of that uniquely from me and from him and from him? Or Hashem uh, orchestrated that to some degree? What would we find a nice five-note combination? Well, the, the question that is, can you independently of the Rebunasam create a concept, a the thought, or a decision? Concept, right? Can you independently of God create a decision? No, because even a decision is something, whatever it is. Like I said, we don't really know what the will is. We don't even know how I can want to do something and it happens. Like I, I, I don't know how I move my hand. You know what I'm saying? And look, it takes time till an infant figures out it can move its hands. doesn't know. And all of a sudden, hey, wow. It, in the beginning, it thinks it's magic. And then it realizes it does it. So nobody knows what the will is. Nobody knows how the will connects to the body. Or the brain connects, how the will connects to the neurons that fire up into the motor nerves and so on. Quick question. Who? Uh, is there any validity to the statement that everything uh, with the exception of Yerushalayim is, uh, in other words, only Yerushalayim is, deals with the fear and everything else is Hashanah Prophet? Well, it, it says that Hakobidei Shemayim puts me Yerushalayim, right? And chutz mitzin or whatever. But yeah, everything is in the hands of heaven except Yerushalayim. But Yerushalayim, which means Bechira, right, on what is right and wrong, is huge. You know what I'm saying? It's huge, you know? For instance, a guy sits down, you know, he's not doing anything. You know, he just sits down for a rest, you know? At that moment in time, do you have any Bechira going on? Is there any right and wrong that you could be doing at that time? Sure. You could be thinking of the Sheish Mitzvah Tmidiyas, Right? Come on, right? That's what Sadiqam do. They think and what? I believe in God. I'm Batech, I'm Yore, I fear him, I love him, you know, whatever the other two are. Right? But you know, right now you have an sign. What are you gonna do with your free time? So therefore you clearly have to have a hero. See the, 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 the concept of doing right is so pervasive that you probably have Bahira of Yerushimayim all the time. Except when he wants to take it away from you. You see? It's not just, well, you know, I got to get up for chakras. You have Bechir or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the truth is, since there are six mitzvahs that you can continuously do, and they're called the Sheish mitzvahs to medias, right? That means you have to have Bechir at any, nanos- any given nanosecond. You have to have Bechir. Because at that nanosecond, you could have said, I love you, God. Or I fear you. Or I believe in you. You see what I'm saying? So therefore, that nanosecond has to be available for Bechira. Because you could do a mitzvah with that nanosecond. You hear the word? Interesting. Yeah, so that it comes out that almost your entire life, from the time, I mean, okay, you know, boom, but, you know, from the time you reach your das, which is, let's say, 13 years old, whatever, right? Until they, until, until they put you in the grave, you know? You basically can be doing mitzvahs. It's astounding. You know, it doesn't have to be for the mitzvah, you know, rule of an esprit, okay. You had to wait till the sukkahs, right? But there are mitzvahs that you can do any given second. You hear what? You hear what? So therefore, the Rosh has to make available to you, Bechira, your whole life. You see the word? Interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. You didn't realize how much, what you can do and, and how much is required of a person. The Ramchal says, I'm still that every stage of a person is an assignment. Yeah, but I'm, I'm showing that every second is in his sign. Now, whoever thought of that? Now imagine every second is in his sign. What are you going to think about? 
Are you going to have Shivisi Hashem Negdi Summit, right? I have placed God before me always. But that's a mitzvah. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a concept called emuna. That's, that's nanosecond to nanosecond. You see? But there's complications yeah. because I remember Rabbi Noah Weinberg all over Shalom said in a different context, a ruling dervish who seems to see Hashem. A who? A ruling dervish. Ruling dervish is wow. Or a, uh, a jihadist, they believe they're choosing to do the right activities. Yeah. They think they're doing right. Sure. So Hashem they're has different menus. What? Has a different menu to choose from of Bechira, like for different nations. So well, well that, that was what I said. Bechira entails knowledge. You have to have knowledge, or else what are you boicha? That's the concept of a tinik shenishbo. What's the problem with a tinik shenishbo? A tinik shenishbo, you know what a tinik shenishbo? Uh, a child, a tinik, that was uh, uh, captured by a goyim and knows nothing about Torah, right? So we say a tinik shenishbo is an honest. It's considered honest, right? So what's this problem? He has bechira. He has the capacity to freely choose. And he's mature, but he doesn't know anything. How could you choose if I know nothing about what I'm supposed to choose? You know what I'm saying? Even though there's a concept called ignorance, there's no excuse of the law. There is a concept. But a tinik shenishba is not just ignorance. It's, a, it's absurd, you know what I'm saying? It's, a, it's an onus. You know, there's an Indian of shoigeg, and there's an Indian of onus. A shoigeg has to have some type of negligence that you could have known. You're shoigeg. But a Tanit Shanishba could never have known, because it's not even a Havamina that does Judaism. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even know the existence of a concept called Jew, Judaism, really. And so on. So they were, how, how could it possibly know to make a decision? You know? To quote. To quote, oh, what's the guy's name? There's a clothing store that's famous. It's uh, no, it's a clothing store. It's a Jewish guy on that. Sims. Who? Sims. 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 What was his famous statement? Oh, what? Uh, best informed customers are best customers. Oh, he had it right. <laughs> you can't even be burger for Sims if you're not informed. <laughs> You know, an informed customer is our best customer. I mean, if he's not informed, forget it. We all have him. He doesn't know, he doesn't know size things exist. And if he doesn't know the prices and the quality and all that stuff. What happened? He went bankrupt. He went, he went, did he go bankrupt? Yeah. Why? You aren't enough educated consumers. Because <laughs> most guys eat on the Macy's and make $500 a suit. They don't know anybody. Yeah. Besides, a lot of people you don't wear suits. Good suits again. That's also a problem. No, no, hold on. No, 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 Anyway, so knowledge is a critical component of free will. And you don't know, you're not guilty. Therefore, I want to tell you something, as an aside, that tells you something very, very important, which I don't know if people realize this. Because information is so critical, right? Here's the question. If you do have free will, yes? So what happens? Let's assume all the ingredients come into the mix. You have free will, you know, and so on and so forth. Then your actions have consequences. 
ruchnistige consequences, right? If you do the right thing, you bring a tikkun to the bria. And if you do the wrong thing, you bring a kilkul to the bria. That's the difference. You need bechira. Tikkun or kilkul needs two things. It needs the act, and it needs the ability to have a full-fledged bechira. If you don't have the state of mind, if you don't have bechira, there's no tikkun or kilkul. You realize that? If you don't have bechira, you neither do a tikkun nor a kilkul. You see. So if that's the case, you hear the, you hear the principle. If you don't have bechira, you are not guilty at all. There's no tikkun and there's no kilkul. It's like a mice Chimpanzee does the act. There's no significance, there's no spiritual significance to an act that has no free will for whatever reason, because one of the ingredients is missing. Got that? So if that's the case, what comes out of that? This Bria needs a Tikkun. But if 90% of Kleinist will is gone, Tinik Shinishba, who's doing the Tikkun? 10%. The 10%. Who are the 10%? The Fruma. That means all the 90% of Jews are gone. They know they, they don't do they don't do either tikkun or kilkul. I mean you have to look halachically what they are. But I think the halacha is that most people I mean you have to look. It depends if they live let's say they live among or their parents were from I mean there's halachas, what's called the Tinik Shinishba, you know. But if they are in fact the Tinik Shinishba, they have no kilkul or tikkun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the ones who really have the uh, two tikkun are the fromma, yeah. Even through chesed or minimal observance of Hanukkah, whatever, they don't get, you know, most people I knew, or I knew who were fried, seem to be nice people. They want to be charitable. Do they get credit for that if they don't think they're doing it with shame Torah? That's an interesting question. You know, if, they, if, they, if, if somebody does chesed because, you know... Uh, chesed means that they believe in Hashem. No, it, it, chesed okay. because of... No, people can do chesed because of humanity, the humanitarians. What? That's one, or that you're just humanitarian. There are many humanitarian causes that are not do a religion. I mean, can an atheist be chesed? No, they say they. It's it's their argument. No, what? They say to be moral and just, they don't need to believe in something. Uh, no, they, they don't believe any divine origin of the, what makes morality. Who said this is moral, you know? But there is, a, they do subscribe to the concept of, uh, of, uh, of uh, um, morality or ethics philosophically. Right. You know, there's a branch of philosophy called ethics, where, you, where the question is, can you derive ethics, morality, which simply means right behavior, by reason alone? Without revelation. That's a whole branch of philosophy called ethics. You know what I'm saying? There is. There's a whole thing. And there are people that say that you can. Ethically, you can derive ethics, right behavior, from without recourse to revelation. Kant spoke about that. The category yeah, the, the, exactly. Abraham Levine knew, no, before he said we learn from the, from the well, the Gemara says you can learn you can learn a lot of things from ants. I mean, you know, from bugs, bad. Industrious from the ants. Industriousness, yeah. Who oh, are the industrious? Unbelievable. Yeah, but there is a school. 
But anyway, but uh, so you know, but 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 um, to be guilty, to be culpable, which means to be guilty. You know what I'm saying? They they. There's neither to without bechir. There's no tikkun or or, or kyoko or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's a good so question. If they do bliss. it because they feel it's humanitarian, oh, what's that? Yeah, you say ignorance is bliss. Then is what. It's, yeah. it's not bliss. It's, it's not bliss. Oh, because you're not earning anything. You're not earning anything. You know, there's a story. There's what there was a person called uh, Rebbe Lezbrand who died. It's a whole story. It's a story. You know, in Gemara Rebbe Zara, where he visited all types of women, whatever, and so on, you know? So it was once a woman that he was visiting, whatever, and uh, all of a sudden, I think it's Sitsis, the guy had Sitsis too, you know? And uh, so the woman, this, she was a Zoyna, whatever, she said, well, you see, just like the wind will never return, you will never return. Apparently it hit him so bad that he went out and he cried himself to death. He died, he cried. And he did tshuva. He, was a, he realized she was right, and that he, whatever, he's had incredible charata, that he was choyte and all this kind of stuff, and he died. So Abbasco came out and said that he gets Oedem Hapa. This Eliezer to die. So it says there, Bochi Rebbe. So Rebbe heard Abbasco, because, you know, they had those kind of uh, antennas. And he said, he cried, he says, Famous statement. Incredible. This guy got his oilum habo in one second. He, okay, it took him a half hour or whatever, right? But it means, shoachas means, I mean, you know, the guy's got to struggle 70 years to get the oilum habo. This guy got it, you know. So that's the, that's the way normal shot. But the other people who have shot that it wasn't good. He said, oh, what kind of oilum habo does it look like if he got oilum habo in a half hour? I mean, what has he got there? He's going to have a parcel of land, but there's nothing there. You know what I'm saying? It's true, he got into oilum habo. But what does he got in Oilam Hapa? There's no real estate. There's no house because he never built anything. Anyway, depends how you learn Rebbe. Which is which do you yeah. think is, is that's it's, a, it's very bad to get Oilam Hapa that way. That good. But he in the process he bypassed Gehenna. So he just not going until he, he, he so, so, yeah, so that that's the Mila, you know, but when he got to Ilam Hapa, you know what I'm saying? There was nothing there. You know, I mean whatever, I'm sure there was a, a shack there, you know. Probably a sukkah was waiting for him or something like that. But, you know, the, that's not the Oilam Haba you want, you know. So it depends, you know. You can, you know, you, you can stay away from sin and not get Gehenim. But the purpose is not not to get Gehenim. The purpose is to build an Oilam Haba, you know what I'm saying? So, and so, you know. So, what comes out of it is a tremendous concept. And that's the concept that the ones who do the Tikkun of the Bria are really the Firma. The tikkun of the Bria depends on Lakewood, Yushalayim, Bnei Brak, you know, it depends on the Frumma. Because the, the Fryer, they're all Tinnich and Ishba, they're not doing anything. So that means our responsibility becomes a lot greater now. Incredible. <coughs> Incredible. Now you realize that the end of days, as long as Kalis will have a tremendous amount of people, fine. But in the end of days, you know, how many Frumma are there? It's like, you know, you know, we're lucky if there's a million from a Yidin in the entire world. Most Yidin are gone. Ninety percent are gone. A lot of people realize that. It's staggering the amount of, uh, you know, most people, most kids don't even have a Jewish education. In America, millions of people have no shachas to Yiddish guy. And so on, you know. You know, 
I used to travel around and do speeches and all that. And every time I come to a city, I would say, how many Jews are in the city? There's 100,000 Jews. Well, how many former people are there? 1,000. Oh, and this was city after city. I used to ask that question, you know. So unbelievable, you know. There's 500,000 Jews in L.A. They're lucky if they have 10,000 Jews that are from 20,000, 30,000. It's ridiculous, the 500,000. And this is true every place. I once went to it and I go, walk across it. Or some city, and I asked, how many Jews are there? They said about 8,000 Jews. How many are from? I don't think there was 1,000 from their families. Realize what that is? It's kids. I mean, what Hitler couldn't do, assimilation is doing. That's what it is. Assimilation is killing. So in the end, Hitler won. That's what he did. He killed out the cream, and everybody else just disappeared. And America's finishing off the rest. You know, Western civilization is killing everybody with their tremendous gashmis and taifa and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a losing battle. It's mamish a losing battle. But uh, the main thing is, well, then who's left to do the tikkun? From That's it. You know, it's a, you're right. It's a heavy responsibility. And the righteous Gentiles who will inherit the world to come, as they say, how do they merit this? Uh, ah, the Gentiles? Yeah. <clears throat> You know, well, the righteous Gentiles will also, I read, will inherit the world to come. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they, they're probably not even Tino-Shinish, but they probably have no clue. Well, Pashtas, a, a guy, if a guy is righteous, means that they well, usually... It's also hard. 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 Yeah. He cannot do kilkul or tikkun. Only a Jew can do that because he's the only one who has that type of neshama. Goyim cannot do. But what they can do is they can earn their own oilam habo, right? Not because they did the tikkun. They will get oilam habo through a Jew. The Jew is the only... That's what it means in the, by Avram Avinu. V'nivrechu adoma. means you're the only one that can do the tikkun. And therefore they will only be blessed through you. Means without your tikkun, it's over, you see. But what they can determine, right, is their status in terms of the the position they have, you know, in the Oyam Habor. But they cannot create Oyam Habor. And there's an infinite difference between the one who makes it and the one who could be there. So between two Gentiles, one makes it, one doesn't. They have no clue what Torah is about. How does one make it? How do they know? How does the one that makes it know they're on the right path? They're probably both believing in Yashka anyway, probably. Yeah, but that, yeah, fine, yeah. Right so, I didn't say they were on the right path. I'm just wondering, if you have two identical, one makes it to all my bar, how did they know they're pursuing with the hero to do mitzvahs in yeah. it, like we do? Well, they don't. They, if they believe in a supreme being, and they believe that there is a right and wrong, that's what they have to do, you know? I want to tell you something. You know, in today's day, you know, you can easily look up what's right and wrong. I mean, the Bible is the most famous book ever printed. Everybody knows the Bible, you know, what it is and so on and so forth. But if a person believes in the Supreme Being and that there is a right and wrong and so on and so forth, then there's a chance that they will get some type of Ilm Habo. It's not the same as a Jew, unless they become Jewish, but there's a chance. That's what it is, you know. Because someone mentioned to me when Shiach comes, 
that could be a, a Gentile equivalent to each string. I wanted to, I mentioned before, uh, yeah, wait, wait, wait I, uh, that, um, I, I want to make a Ramchal's Yotzai, which I said next, well, next Saturday night we have a Shia, correct? Okay, but Sunday night I want to do Ramchal's Yotzai. Also, I want to mention, and I'll let you know, please uh, speak to Eliezer to give you your contact information, or you'll see what's going on. Uh, the second thing is, I, Tuesday night, I give a shir method of Ramchal, how to learn, how to think, how to analyze, organize, and so on. I give that Tuesday night from 8 to 9.30, by Reb, no, by Rabbi Leftwoods, which is on Somerset, right off um, uh, East County Line Road. 11.97. Yeah. 11.97, Somerset.